0: Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod and Mike Murphy.
2: Happy New Year, brother. I, I know you're just back from your annual Hill of Skiing uh, <laughs> holiday trip to uh, Northern Canada, and uh, you look none the worse for
0: wear. So, welcome back. It is good to be back, this time, Hawaii. Uh, The State of High Taxes and Subsidies Under Democratic Government. We'll talk about that later. We had a great time.
2: Good, good, good. Well, a lot of stuff has gone down uh, while we were away.
0: Just like we predicted.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it was just a reminder that uh, presidential politics is such a dynamic process. You know, the world's a fragile place, and uh, presidents of the United States have more power to change the storyline Uh, than anyone else. So everyone was focused on impeachment when we left, uh, and Iowa, and now uh, Trump has changed the whole focus, at least for now, to Iran.
1: Soleimani has been perpetrating acts of terror to destabilize the Middle East for the last 20 years. What the United States did yesterday should have been done long ago. A lot of lives would have been saved. Just recently, Soleimani led the brutal repression of protesters in Iran, where more than a thousand innocent civilians were tortured and killed by their own government. We took action last night to stop a war. We did not take action to start a war. I have deep respect for the Iranian people. They are a remarkable people with an incredible heritage and unlimited potential. We do not seek regime change. However, the Iranian regime's aggression in the region, including the use of proxy fighters to destabilize its neighbors, must end and it must end now. So
2: the Soleimani hit. Give me your cut. I've been waiting to hear this, you being, you know, the crusty old neocon that you are. (laughs) I want to hear how you uh, process all of this.
0: Well, this thing, you know, Soleimani is the worst of the worst. He's a monster. Worst of all, he's an effective monster for them. So he's been on the menu, as you know, for a while. The problem is doing this, escalating this far, because this thing was a classic escalation ladder. You know, they killed a contractor. We killed some uh, militia members. They swarmed the embassy. So the president had a meeting, what to do next. They had a big menu, and at the bottom was the equivalent of order the atomic hot wings, which is fun for (laughs) about an hour, and then a heavy price may be paid. So Bush had the option. (laughs) He didn't do it. Obama had the option he didn't do it. Now, I— I'm, By the way, the Israelis the Israelis had the option, and they haven't done it. Right, because nobody to this date has seen killing Soleimani as a net-net win. It's a tactical win, no more Soleimani. But it starts a chain of escalation that net-net could be better for the Iranians. I mean, the problem with these escalation battles is— is when you, when you make a move like this, you turn over control the situation to the other guy who makes a move on you and then you're cornered into another move and it becomes tactics taking over strategy. So people traditionally have not gone this way. Trump did the, you know, shoved all the chips in here. He and he, he was very public about it. You know, the car could have just blown up and the Iranians would have known it was us, but when we go public like this, it takes over Iranian politics as well as our own. So I, I think it was a geopolitical mistake. We're a couple of political hacks. So let me yeah.
2: let me let me ask you this. Why do you think that he did I have my theory, which is, you know, it, Trump lives in this ongoing reality show. He didn't like the episode. He didn't like the right. plot line. It was all about impeachment. Uh, and this was an appealing way to change the storyline.
0: Yeah, I, I think part of it was change the channel. I think that's his instinct. And it, the guy is constantly telling us he sees himself as a, quote, counterpuncher. So he picked the biggest counterpunch. We know Trump is instinctive. He doesn't think five Metternich chess pieces down the line. So no, he he thinks one checker piece down the line. Right, right. So he he decided to do the big move, and now we're talking about this. The problem is, he is, he is his instinctual lack of maturity and insight has written a check that uh, politically may become very expensive over time. Short term, it's been a win for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I want to ask about that. The base is rallying, as the totally. base does. You see... Uh, most of his supporters in congress uh republican supporters rallying uh to his side and bill clinton once said being wrong and strong is it beats being right and weak and in the short run do you think he's benefiting from this
0: oh i do i do uh you know the media will cover this as the narrative of bond villain super terrorist killed, and that is a good thing, and Soleimani is is a monster, was a monster. But we have started now a thing that could go on for years that I think will gnaw at us but gnaw at him and the Republicans politically because the debate is not always going to be about killing Soleimani. The, the Iranians are like the inspector gadget of asymmetrical warfare, as you well know. It's not going to be our aircraft carrier versus them. They don't have any of that. But they start screwing around the Straits of Hormuz. The Asian oil markets go crazy. They start – they can really create a quagmire in Lebanon. They can attack our bases, our embassies around the world. You know, it's going to be – we are now wrestling a porcupine.
2: Here are the paradoxes. We hear hear all this talk about weakening the regime. And, in fact, there were were signs of of dissent. The Iranians just killed hundreds of protesters. There was a lot of – disquiet. The economy has shrunk by 10% in the last year. Uh, And he just basically rallied the country behind the regime uh, with one act. He says he's about uh, ending endless wars. We just shipped another 3,500 kids off uh, to the Middle East. Uh, So you're right about him not uh, thinking even One or two steps uh, ahead, it's how it plays in the moment. But I'll tell you what, if this results in uh, war and loss and casualty, I think it becomes uh, problematic for him. But, you know, in the short run, you see them uh, positioning Democrats. You know, Democrats are all about rules and laws and norms, and they're talking about process and so on. And you can see the strategic reasoning of Trump, Mm in positioning the Dems as sort of of weak, uh, politically correct. uh, Right, totally. You know, know, so uh, we'll see how it plays out and, and, you know, where it is in 10 months from now.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with this. One of the best Republican tricks is we know that when we put pressure on the Democrats, often their worst political instincts take over in the short term. And you can even see Warren kind of gyrating around from, oh, they killed a terrible guy. To, oh, they killed an important military leader, or whatever her term of art was, um, because they're struggling to kind of win the Adlai Stevenson thoughtfulness debate when these things are visceral at first. And it, look, it could—I think it's going to be bad for America's national interest. But if we look at the politics, Trump kills super terrorists. They start blowing up bases. Trump orders big airstrikes. Trump can keep having military moments of strength here for a while. Now, overall, we're going to get isolated in the Middle East. We may be pushed out of Iraq or at least southern Iraq. Um, Lebanon could become a quagmire for the Israelis. So there's all kinds of things that can go very bad over time. But cable TV moment to moment, um, Trump's going to be able to, if, if this thing escalates, which we, frankly, I hope it does not. Uh Trump can have lots of moments like that where the Democrats are talking about UN resolutions and he's wrapped in the flag, you know, leading our troops to avenge the uh the 12 soldiers who were killed in the you know the explosion in, in southern Iraq somewhere. I want I want to
2: park this discussion for a second because I want to come back and talk about how it affects the Democratic race uh for president, but until those drones landed, the big story in Washington was the fourth impeachment in the history of the country. Uh and that is now, you know, second order news uh as a result yeah. of this. But it's still it is still there. Uh and now we have this development uh kind of curious development where john bolton who is obviously a key to this whole deal i mean he was a national security advisor he obviously opposed what trump did in ukraine and and had direct conversations with him what he sa- what he saw is clearly material he steps forward having resisted the house and now says i'll testify before the senate right. though it's not at all clear that the senate uh will call him how, how do you see that whole thing playing out
0: well, before the Iranian s- crisis, um, it would have been another process kerfuffle. You know, the 51 votes needed to have evidence introduced, namely Bolton, who's clearly, by the way, dying, dying to grab a mic and, and have his big moment there. Let me give you a
2: counter argument. John Bolton has a book coming out in June. He, he clearly, what, what will, one of the things that will make that book saleable is this whole episode. Uh, but he can't really, in good conscience or, uh, or, you know, for public relations reasons at least, uh, offer the story in his book that he wasn't willing to offer to the Congress of the United States, right, right, right. No, a, I agree in a with impeachment all this. It, yeah. So, in a sense, he has to get caught trying, and he may yeah. be hoping that the the Senate refuses to call him. But at least he, then he can say, "Well, I tried to tell the story; they didn't want to hear the
0: story, but here's the story." And bing, bang, boom—you got a bestseller. Right, right. I I think he wins either way from a narrow book point of view. He either is banned in Boston, you know, the book will be shipped with a big uh, masking tape around it, where you know the the book the Senate was afraid for you to read, uh, and then he'll be down at the yacht store after that with all the money he'll make, or he'll be a bit of a TV star because he's kind of a character, you know, the crazy hair, the mustache, um, he he's he's a good TV villain. And yeah, I find it he,
2: crazy that he'd wear a mustache like that, but anyway. Go
0: ahead. <laughs> well, you you are a former. Uh, cover story on Chicago Mustache Magazine. which
2: He's carrying the torch for us walrus-looking mustache wearers. Yeah.
0: The Chicago Mustache League is nothing to sneeze at. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the NFL of mustaches. But I think either way, either way it's good for Bolton. You know, he's either banned in Boston or he's the star of these hearings. But I, you you got these Repubs who are looking at tough Senate races who are very worried about taking the McConnell shutdown line. And now they're going to have to do the shut down the witnesses line. So it's possible. 51 votes could be had to open it up. But the problem is now, back to the, the Iranian deal, if if we're in a, a a real conflict with them, the Repubs are going to go to a message which is going to have some salience of, like, we don't have time for political games. We're going to have a two-day trial and get this bullshit behind us and go on to standing by our troops. I mean, they're going to go on offense on that, and why don't you decide on Election Day? Two pretty good political messages. So I think mm-hmm. making, the Senate thing has gotten more challenging uh, uh, because of the Iranian deal, I knew you'd find a bailout there, Mister.
2: <laughs> the 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 good consciences are going to prevail, and right, I'll, let's make a
0: bet. Are... We're have a hacks on tap mega bet here. Okay, um, I think fifty-one votes. Uh, I I should get odds on on this witnesses it's uphill. Yeah. I think that's, I think they'll get to fifty-one on a witness deal. Won't be a lot of witnesses, but they're well, be a you couple. saw
2: you saw Murkowski over the holidays, who's, who's quite who's quite quite willing to having been thrown out by the Republican Party and finding her way back as an, uh, you know a, 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 an independent right-in candidate, and she's got uh, she's shown the will to resist uh, the pressure. Uh, you've got Romney, who said he wants to hear what uh, right. Bolton has to say. You've got Susan Collins, who has a very tough race up there Mm -hmm. in Maine, and perhaps Gardner. Mm -hmm. Uh, And McSally, you know, has to Mm -hmm. think about this as well in Arizona.
0: It's possible. You you could get a Mike Lee type, too. A a cranky traditionalist or somebody, too. Well, I'll tell you what. The fact that McConnell hasn't rung
2: the curtain down entirely on witnesses tells me that he's not sure he has the votes yet. So... Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Right, if, uh, are you taking the bet? <laughs> yeah, we're betting well, dinner. I, I just argued against myself. Well, anytime <laughs> I can have dinner with you, I don't care who pays. We'll, we'll, I'll make all the right, bet. We'll figure it sure. out. We'll figure it out. Yeah.
0: See, I like this. I finally can pivot to offense on my squished Republican thing. I've been waiting for this for months because <laughs> I've been taking a beating from you in every damn podcast. On ah, you're fantasy land Republicans. We all know they have yeah. evil hearts of malevolence. I fear my day will come.
2: And I'm I'm already thinking about where we're going to have dinner and how much it's going to cost you. But uh, <laughs> I'm I'm in. But but I, I hope I hope you're right. Uh, so let's talk about this Democratic race. Uh, yeah. it, it has been uh, shifting. I said yesterday that uh, uh, you know the thing, the stupidest thing you can do relative to the Iowa caucuses is, is make any kind of early prediction, uh, and uh, you know, what we saw was, uh, Warren, you know, it, there are seasons and Warren owned the summer. Buttigieg owned the fall. And here come the lions of winter, right? Bernie <laughs> and Biden. Bernie. Uh, and, uh, and they now, you, you saw the CBS poll. I'm, a, I want to see a few other polls. Yeah, me too. I'm uh, a little
0: suspicious of that. But look, the burn is there.
2: But, but we should say what it said. It said Bernie and Biden and Buttigieg tied at 23, uh, 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 Warren in the mid-teens, I think she was at 16, Amy Klobuchar at seven, everybody else in low single digits. But a three-way tie at the top, which is, you know, sort of not uh, unexpected for Buttigieg, who'd been already up there. Biden and Bernie are showing some strength here.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, if— you know you you step back and look at the race on New Year's Day and I want to see more polling too it looks like the trend and you know now we're the what 4 weeks out so we're coming in 27 into the real days that, yeah the the counts Bernie is still in it, man. Number one in fundraising, holding up in the numbers quite well in Iowa and New Hampshire. I I think there's going to be a Democratic leadership world panic about this if another good Bernie poll comes out. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, she had the clear dynamics of going up, and she has now become a test case of how the second look can really slow you down. And it was, I believe, on the health care plan.
2: The most exhilarating time in a presidential race is when you're on your way up. And nobody is really bothering you because they don't see it coming. And then you get there, and it's a lot harder to stay there because you become a target. I think Buttigieg is going to experience – he has and he will a little in the next uh, debate. Uh, you know, one of the advantages that Bernie and Biden have is they've been through this before. Yeah. And know, knowing the track and understanding, I always say presidential politics is like the space program. You can, you know, you can float around in those simulators all you want, but until you're up there in orbit, uh, you don't have the the full feel of the experience. These guys uh, do, and they understand the rhythms uh, of it. But uh, yeah, look, I don't count Warren out. Uh, you know, she she didn't get Uh, to where she got uh, for no reason. She's smart, uh, and she's got a great organization, and that can carry the day in a caucus in particular in Iowa. So, you know, these these numbers are close enough, and we still
0: have four weeks to go. Yeah, I agree with that, but uh, the point about Warren, it's been a test of her campaign, can they gear shift and have a third act to have the roaring comeback? And there's a little time. And she's been formidable, but boy, they blew the middle. You know, they've never really recovered from the hard look, as you say, that success brings you, particularly on that health care plan. I can see they're trying. They're changing up the rhetoric. They're not talking about it as much. They're kind of trying to morph over to, you know, Medicare for all who, who really want it. But they, that is a campaign that needs a big move because I think the dynamic has flipped on them. Her whole
2: play was to consolidate the left uh, right. and Nobody try to expand out. And Bernie, exactly. Bernie had his own idea, and Bernie has the luxury, the liberty, uh, of 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 being uh, uh, a total ideologue. And um, and and you know, he to his credit, and I mean this sincerely, he believes what he believes, and he's unwavering in those beliefs. And he's and he's been expressing them for fifty years, and uh, and people, uh, I think see that as uh, authenticity, genuineness. He's also pretty good. You know, you, I was watching him on TV last night. He was on with Anderson uh, Cooper. And, you know, he is very, very adroit. Uh, he doesn't make many mistakes. He's unflappable. He looks he looks comfortable. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know, he's
0: Mr. Authenticity because he believes all the crazy liberal stuff, so it's easy for him to say it and sell it. And as you say, he is— He's cagey. He's always on the offense on his message no matter what. I just I think the other big question you brought it up and I agree Biden is is holding it better than I thought. I've been short Biden. And he has taken the beating Um, But, you know, Joe's the guy who still walks around with a little vial of nitroglycerin in the right hand that can go off at any minute. So are we going to have the Biden of the last debate, or is Biden going to gaff himself in? And, you know, we were talking before. You should probably elaborate on this. Biden does have that tendency— to make exactly the wrong move at exactly the right time uh, for somebody else. And, you know, yeah. with as Mr. Foreign Policy, this Iranian thing should help him. But on the other hand, yeah. you know, he's got he, – he has a history of stumbling, uh, often through exaggeration.
2: Yeah, so so you lead, you lead me to a point I wanted to ask you about. It feels to me like two things have helped Biden. Well, first of all, I think what we're discovering is people know Biden, and in some – in some ways his gaffes are baked in the cake. They're willing yeah. to forgive him those things. And in the age of Trump, that seems more, even more normal, but people think of, they, they think of Biden as decent, honorable, empathetic and, and experienced. And, and they kind of wave off the, you know, the, 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 the sort of off track comments, uh, and so on. But it seems to me there are two things that have, uh, really helped him here, and both of them uh, are as a result of actions of Trump. I actually think the impeachment, uh, the whole impeachment process has helped Biden. Trump basically identified Biden as his most formidable opponent by essentially uh, fetching impeachment and trying to thwart Biden by enlisting the Ukrainians, and the whole subtext of that story is Trump feared Biden, and I think Mm -hmm. Democrats who are so desperate to beat Trump uh understand that and there's a sort of rallying around a little bit of a rallying around Biden the second uh thing is this Iranian hit and uh, on Soleimani it has made national security more salient uh that is a an area of expertise for Biden he's going to take a beating in the next debate from Bernie and perhaps others on his vote on the Iraq war uh but nonetheless that he may have taken that down the line anyway uh I think that people sometimes scramble for safety in moments like this, and Biden, you know, may be be that person. On Warren, if you were uh, advising
0: her right now, uh, what would your advice be for a third act? Yeah. Let me just address Biden for a minute because I agree. I do think Biden has both the strength and the problem of being everybody's second choice in some way. And every time one of the others is an obvious failure, and I can live with Joe. He's kind of the I can live with guy. He just needs to win something, you know, because in in Iowa, and New Hampshire, and if he gets beat, the Biden beater will get better heat and if he doesn't have a comeback in New Hampshire. Uh, and then I think it might crumble fast. But but he is kind of the, the, the one everybody could settle for right now. And as the others have flaws, and they all seem to be having flaws, that's that's good for Joe. Uh, what, what I would tell, I'd tell Warren to go pick a fight. She's a fighter. She's good at it. And I would I would look like a Trump beater by taking somebody on. You know, I'd be trying to eat into Bernie just because I think uh, some of her vote can go there. I think Pete, you know, slices off kind of the college-educated Bernie people if you can get there. But Doing her populist shtick that that in a clear run got her where she is is not working anymore. Other people have acts, other people have energy. Uh, she needs to uh, she needs to engage and start scrapping uh, ideologically and and get the spotlight back as a force.
2: Yeah, I mean the question is with who and how. You know she tried to reset. She did a speech around New Year's Day, I think, uh, uh, in Boston, uh, an hour long speech. Very much uh, talking about uh, her fundamental theme, which she is wedded to, which uh, and and I think deeply believes that corruption uh, is at the core of many of our uh, uh, is at the core of our inability to solve the problems that are touching uh, people's lives. She she did a kind of another swipe at Buttigieg without naming him and perhaps Biden by talking about fundraising, which has been kind of a quagmire for her. We've talked about this mm-hmm. uh, before because of her past uh, practices, but it wasn't clear to me that there is a new, uh, a new path here, that there's a new storyline. And her problem is, you know, if you listen to Bernie's rhetoric and her rhetoric on this issue of the corruption, uh, of government by big corporate money, um, they're very much alike. And, uh, and I, I just, I don't know how she gets to where she wants to go, uh, with that message, uh, if Bernie is doing it. Uh, and doing well with it.
0: Yeah, I think she has to take on the whole field. She has to say Joe Biden is the lobbyist of corporate politics. Pete Buttigieg is the accountant. Uh, And Bernie Sanders is the guy who's certainly going to lose to Trump. Only I can take progressive ideas, can get them done like I did with all my cuckoo financial legislation, and and I can unite Americans to beat Trump. It's about uh, send a woman, also play identity politics, you know, send a woman to save the country. Uh, Bernie is old and tired, had a shot. Pete is a functionary of the system, and Biden has been captured by it for three decades. I mean, that's. I think your best shot is I'm the only me and they're all wrong and just become the thing everybody's talking about.
2: By the way, her cuckoo financial <laughs> ideas like a consumer uh, protection bureau to keep banks and mortgage companies from ripping off Americans may not sound that cuckoo to People who aren't sitting in wealthy precincts in Los Angeles, uh, cash and checks, you know what I mean?
0: I'm in a wealthy precinct in Los Angeles surrounded by limousine liberals, uh, but uh, <laughs> who are the worst of all. But uh, I take your point. In a Democratic primary, I think she can sell some tickets. Look, she's always had three things going for her in the matrix of their vote or, you know, your vote, the Democratic primary vote fighter, woman, liberal anti-corporate economics. So I would I would be her first name is now the only fighter who can deliver and the only woman. Cuz Amy just to to go to somebody else she needs a double digit 13 14 Iowa poll really soon or it, it, it's it's going to be tough. And you know everybody's been waiting for the Amy late boomlet and we got about 10 days for it to show up or or that'll be done. I will say she raised double-digit millions in money, so she's got some dough to, to make yeah. that big push, but uh, we're not seeing it in the polling.
2: The thing, just, just on Warren, the, 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 the thing about your prescription that I think is most challenging for her is she has to take the, she would have to take the gloves off relative to Bernie, and she's been reluctant to do that because his supporters are pretty, are pretty vengeful about uh, people <laughs> who attack him. I mean, there there is a real, uh, uh, you know, almost uh, cult-like devotion uh, to Bernie, and we saw it uh, in 2016. And, uh, you know, she's trying to consolidate the left, and so she wants to do that without blowing up her chance to get these Bernie—and and that's a very tricky pass to navigate.
0: Oh, it's really hard. I mean, I'm pitching a long shot, but I just see a path of decline with no channel change coming and Bernie a bit ascendant now. Bernie's going to get buzzed off these polls. So it's like it's hard to, hard to quote, do something about Bernie, but if she doesn't, Bernie's going to do something about her. Um, he's just going to eclipse her.
2: Yeah, well, there's no doubt. I mean, they—they, they, you know, her her goal was to outlast him, and his goal was to outlast her. And right now, he's he winning. has he has the upper hand. Let's talk about Buttigieg uh, uh, here for a second. You know, he's still doing very well in Iowa. Uh, the CBS poll had him lagging a little in New Hampshire. I'm not sure. Yeah. Again, I, I want to see a few other uh, polls there, but he obviously—I I, mean—I think he has to win New Ham- uh, He has to win Iowa. To uh, to be, you know, to be in this race in a serious uh, way. And how do you how do you think this Iranian thing? You know, he's pitching the young, for, uh, former um, service member, new generation. He, he's been very smart in the way that he's talked about the Iranian uh, situation. Yeah. But do, do people look at him? In a different context, given the national security situation, do they see in him a uh, calm, smart, experienced, a guy who
0: served, or do they see a uh, callow young guy who you can't trust? I think that's kind of the jump ball that the campaign is going to define. It could maybe go either way, partially on how Pete handles it. But one thing, I, I think if Buttigieg is top two in Iowa, and it's him and Bernie, and he beats Biden yes, yes, and beats that's Warren. Fair, fair. Then he's got a ticket to the race, and I think a lot yeah, of the that, that's the fair. party pragmatists will fall in totally for him against Bernie. I mean, I, I think it's going to Bernie. That's, no, no wins that, that is a good good point. That'll organize the race. It'll be somebody against Bernie because Bernie scares the hell out of them. On the military stuff, there was an interesting tell from Republican Trump Fox News World, uh, Ray Kelly's son um who is uh you know, you have to respect his service. I know him. I think he's a pretty good guy. He was a marine pilot. Uh has an op ed in the Wall Street Journal, I believe, from a day or two ago, which was kind of an attack on Buddha judge for Taking Buttigieg had the kind of commission Reince Priebus did, where smart guys are allowed to quickly join and get officer status in the reserves and do their service. And from my point of view, there's not a damn thing wrong with it. It should be applauded. But it wasn't the push-ups in the, you know, West Point, the normal way in. And it's the beginning of a swift voting kind of attack by other veterans on Buttigieg for over, you know, selling his military record. Um, and I think both sides have to be careful with that. I think... If Buttigieg during this Persian Gulf crisis starts to really try to become Sergeant Rock, I think that is a real risk for him because the message will be carried by surrogates uh, who have real military experience. And on the other hand, I think if they take somebody who clearly had other options in in life, a very successful person, and decide instead to serve the Navy and was in-country, that could blow up. So it's dynamite on both sides, but I think the Buttigieg campaign should – be, be a little subtle on the military experience, uh, and and double down on what he has the most of, which is calm demeanor, big brain, the absolute opposite yeah. of Trump.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think two things about that. One is he has, in earlier uh, remarks, he, he he qualifies his service and, and talks about the fact that he was an intelligence officer and he mostly was uh, inside the line uh, there, although he did drive outside of the line. And he can Speak from a perspective of someone who saw the courage and sacrifice mm-hmm. close up rather than you know overstating his own uh service. The second is the fact that he was in military intelligence uh, does give him a credential here that is is valuable to have I mean he does understand the region he speaks arabic he you know he he, he right, it's right. the big big brain thing uh, you're talking about so let's just sum up the Iowa discussion and we'll have it again several times next week we'll be talking debate but uh you have uh it seems to me that uh biden could any of the top four could finish one to four for biden if he's in the top two if he's in the top two if and particularly if he wins i think that um I would go so far as to say if Biden wins the Iowa Caucuses, he is the odds on uh favorite. He's a favorite now, he, he would be a strong favorite totally to win agree. the nomination. Yeah. Uh if he finishes fourth or if for some reason Klobuchar passes him and he finishes fifth, uh then he's got he's got uh, you know, some significant issues going into New Hampshire where the same thing uh could happen. Bernie is in for the long run.
0: Yeah, he has the money to keep going and the base. Yeah,
2: third, we didn't even talk about the money filings over the holidays, but thirty-four million dollars. I mean, uh, I, I remember when Obama raised twenty-six in two thousand and seven, and that was historic, you know. Uh, and uh, here he has thirty-four, all in, in uh, you know, online donations. Uh, and it's a renewable resource, so yeah. he'll be in, in in this thing to the end. Another problem for Elizabeth Warren: there's no getting Bernie out of this race. So, <laughs> I, I, in a sense, I think he has the le- he has the least risk going into uh, Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, but for Warren, I think she she almost has to win the Iowa caucuses.
0: Yeah, that that's why I think big move, because we're on a slope for Bernie to be the one with the longest legs to last on that, that sector. And that's his personality, too. I think on the finance report, you know, it's interesting. Normally, these quarterly reports come out and we kind of say winners and losers. I think in their own way, they were all winners. Bernie hit a home run of dollars. Pete did very very well. I think it was his best quarter ever. Biden, who doesn't have the low dollar small donor base of the others, still hung in there It's like 22 million. I thought it might yeah. be down at 15 for him and it would've been a problem. So, and they have a super pack they can, you know, call on if they need to. And even Amy uh managed to get up to I think around 12 million bucks. So, everybody did well in the stretch there.
2: Yeah. Well and and Elizabeth Warren did a smart thing because she signaled yeah. before the filing that she was uh sitting at 17 which would have been viewed as an anemic number and yeah, got a, and got a last minute rush and finished with about 22 uh million herself. So uh, this debate next week is important if it happens. Uh if if the impeachment trial begins the debate will have to be uh deferred. Uh, but, if that debate happens, it may be the mo- it, it certainly will be the most important debate it 's in iowa it 's two weeks before yeah. the caucuses it 's meaningful it 's not clear and it may be a very small stage uh so far, I think five people have qualified for it.
0: You know, it, it's it's funny for all the debate madness and the DNC and everything. It's still reducing to the old classical form that you and I remember. It's turning into like an Iowa Register debate in January. You know, we're coming down to the big in-state yeah. debate a couple weeks out that could drive you know a, just a tremendous amount of this thing. So it's kind of funny how how uh, how things always reduce. In fact, I was I was to your earlier point. I was I'm watching this Bernie. Ascension, And it's reminding me of the dynamics of Republican primaries back in the day where it was really became a three-way game because you would have the Pat Buchanan or the Pat Robertson.
2: Yeah, the evangelical candidate. Yeah.
0: Right, right. Would do well in Iowa. Uh, almost was the Santorum last time uh, or two ago. And then – you would have two regulars fighting to be the alternative. And whoever would win that regular alternative would generally go on to the nomination, Bush, Dole, 88 and everything. And we could see that in the Democratic Party. Bernie in the top two, and if he wins, Iowa. And then two others, probably Biden and Pete are one of those two, and maybe Elizabeth Warren, uh, maybe Lightning Bolt, Klobuchar in third, but I doubt it. Uh, fighting, and I think they could prevail for the nomination. So it, it's weird. Uh, Democrats might have a have a kind of Republican scenario for once, at least in the pattern of it. Yeah. So
2: in in the uh, under the heading of the more things change, the more they stay yeah, the same. Exactly. Uh, you know, we, everybody said at the beginning, well, Iowa, this was the Kamala Harris. Uh, Iowa's not going to have the same sway uh, that it used to have, and you know, the fact is, Iowa's going to still play the essential role that it has always played. It's uh, named, I think, seven of the last nine uh, nominees had won the, the the Iowa caucuses. I don't know if that will hold here, but clearly it's going to have a winnowing effect. It's going to uh, end a lot of ambitions. It's going to advance uh, people, and it's also going to beg, and this is a t- topic for another day because we ought to move on to the mailbag, but it's going to end... Uh, it's, it's going to propagate another debate as to whether Iowa should play the role uh, it plays in the nominating process. I'm a big fan of the Iowa caucuses, but the fact is that the lack of diversity of the state uh, is, is going to create a big debate and a party that's becoming much more uh, diverse by the day.
0: Yeah, no, no. The diversity cops and the Democratic Party have a lot of power. Um, we're, we're, we're C. I like the Iowa caucus too, as part of the process, because it does give candidates who want to organize a shot. Last question before we go into mailbag. Yeah, I want you to put on your amazing Kreskin uh, skills here. Cory Booker does he drop out before Iowa, or does he compete in the caucus? I say this because I have a bet with a friend from a year ago that that Corey would make it to the Iowa caucus and Kamala would not. So I stand to win one hundred dollars here if you'll hang in.
2: Well, I don't want to stand in the way of this (laughs) simple commerce of this. But uh, but look, I I was actually thinking about this as I was driving uh, this morning. Uh, What you know, what would he what should he do? You know, he didn't. He did. He was in the low single digits in this poll. He keeps saying, well, it all breaks late uh, in Iowa, but it is late. It's not breaking. Uh, you know, he did okay. In the, and the trial. Yeah, yeah. Well, the trial, to me, was always a way out for him. Uh, I noticed he canceled events in Iowa to stay back for the briefing on the Iran uh, attack. Part of his eye has to be on his re-election campaign. I think he'll... Win re-election handily, but he does have to run this year in mm-hmm. in uh, New Jersey for the Senate. Uh, so, uh, but you know, I think there probably is also a sense of devotion to the. He's got a. He's actually got a very devoted organization in Iowa, and I'm sure he's torn. Uh, and yeah. he and he's thinking, I ought to play out the string here. But if he were, if he if he were looking for a way out. Uh, the commencement of a trial two weeks before the caucuses would be a very graceful exit Uh, for Booker. And so I think the real decision point will be if they schedule a trial in the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, I I think the same. I think I'm going to lose the bet. But I'll tell you this. Do you think if Booker gets out, it opens a big opportunity for Delaney? (laughs) Yeah, I think I'm looking for the Delaney surge. Yeah, Uh, yeah, me me too. I hear uh, in Story County he's doing really well. All right. Well, shall we? Let's do the plugs first. If you have a mailbag question, uh, Email us at hacksontap at com. That is hacksontap at com. And don't forget to go on iTunes and rate us. Leave a comment. Leave an insult. Leave praise. Leave whatever you want. But the more ratings we get, the better the old algorithm does there at putting our show in front of other people. Thank you. I'm told we've now made the top 1% of American podcasts, which means we're a tiny fraction of a Joe Rogan. But we're getting there, and it's thanks to you, our listeners. So we're, we enjoy doing this, and thank you for listening and telling your friends about it
2: we're we're, we're in the one percent man that's that, yeah that's, finally finally i know that's yeah, a badge we, of
0: honor for you don't tell so, Elizabeth uh, warren she'll, <laughs> she'll tax us 10 percent of our
2: listeners i'm Maybe. proud to pay my i'm proud to pay my taxes anyway so here's a question for you from patrick who said who asks are pennsylvania michigan and wisconsin the new decisive swing states replacing ohio and florida which seem locked down for trump how likely is it that Trump will repeat his sweep of those three states? That's actually the essential question, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I think those are the fulcrum states that could make a big difference. And together, they cast about 13.5 million votes last time, and Trump's total margin of all three combined was 77,000, uh, a little more than that vote. So, yeah, that that is ground zero. Now, I would say... There are states where Trump might have an advantage he can blow. Uh, Everybody thinks that Trump has this lock on Florida, but I've worked there a lot. and I see a lot of private Florida data, and that is not true. Uh, tr- Florida is a vulnerability state for Trump with his current numbers. Ohio, less so. On the other hand, the Democrats, based on changing demography, and actually you can talk about this, always keep an eye on Arizona and Georgia, which are changing much you like know. Virginia has in the past, going from a, a kind of a red state to purple to the very bluish purple now. So, yeah, keep an eye on the big Midwestern three. And last point on them. If you look at reversion to mean, which is generally a good principle in these things, though it was not so right in 2016, other than Donald Trump, Republicans have not carried the presidency in those three states, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, since the 80s, either 88 or 84, depending on the state. So uh, can Trump stretch that rubber band again is the big question of the Electoral College.
2: Yeah, and there have been some changes, uh, particularly in Michigan. You have a Democratic governor now. Uh, Democratic Secretary of State, um, you know, I, I, th- these things matter. There, there are all kinds of indications that Michigan uh, is going to be very hard for him. I think Pennsylvania, as we've seen, uh, a, a Democratic uh, swing there as well. And the suburbs are going to be very important. Uh, they turned against him in two 2000- thousand. And eighteen, but the state i 'm watching is Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin is a jump ball yeah uh, it 's a very closely divided state. I think I've mentioned before there was a Supreme Court race earlier this year. I think it was earlier this year. It may have been last year well it 's not this year obviously but uh, uh but uh, you had a very uh progressive uh, judge running against a, a conservative evangelical judge. the republican backed candidate won by five thousand votes. Um,
0: You know, I think Wisconsin, which was a bit of a surprise. I mean, Republican conventional wisdom in Wisconsin thought uh, the Republican was going to lose. and That was a low turnout election. But that is one of the very few bright spots for the Republicans during the Trump period that win in Wisconsin. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think I, th- I think Wisconsin is going to be uh, a focus. And I do think Arizona is on the cusp. Uh, but all of this depends on the candidate. Uh, and we won't know that. For some time, and just uh, a
0: footnote on Michigan, my old stomping ground. I can't resist. There's a bright bit of Republican early hope. Uh, my guess is it won't pan out. But Gary Peters, there, the incumbent Democratic senator, has been in polling trouble against John James, a very charismatic Republican challenger who ran better than American candidate, yeah, African American Republican veteran uh, who did better. Than expected last time, and it's either tied or leading some polls now. Uh, Gary Peters is a classic sleeping incumbent who could get in trouble, though. My guess is the presidential dynamic will take over, and that'll 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 hurt James.
2: Yeah, you see, I mean, I think as you look at these Senate races, the the presidential dynamic has become more and more important. So you know, if Trump loses Michigan by more than. Uh, a few. It's going to make it very tough, it seems yeah. to me, for for Republicans to pick up that
0: uh, Senate seat. So what do you got for me? Oh, this is a great question from Casey. Could we get a brief Hacks on Tap history election? I guess they want to go back to the Hoover uh, days when we started. <laughs> when and how did you two hacks from opposite sides of the aisle become friends? Any favorite battle stories from head-to-head campaigns through the years? Any time of you pulled a fast one on the other? Any handiwork from either one of you admired from the other? Any time you wish you would have taken the other on? So how did we meet and become pals in this crazy business, Ax? I
2: I just remember when you were the young phenom, conservative phenom, you and Alex Castellanos Uh were the two (laughs) bomb throwers in the the Republican Party, and you were – you were a very, very successful in the middle of the country, in the Midwest, winning a, a bunch of governorships and uh, and and Senate races. And uh, you know, I, I was aware of you. I think we spoke together, and then we had a few contests against each other. You cleaned my clock in the Iowa governor's race in 1994 I learned some things by watching your black arts and, <laughs> you uh, returned
0: the favor as I recall in the next Iowa yes, governor's race well this is my that. this
2: is my favorite this is my favorite story uh my, Mike Murphy's story uh a classic really you were working for Doug Gross who had been the chief of staff to Terry Branstad who was the longtime governor of Iowa who was a client of of yours as well I was working for Tom Vilsack, the incumbent governor. Gross was a lobbyist in the interim after he left government, including for the hog confinement industry, which turns out to be quite unpopular. A big, vital employer. (laughs) Particularly among the people who live uh, in the stench that uh, these uh, hog confinements uh, create. And we uh, hammered, you guys were... Ahead at the start, we hammered uh, Gross on this. You fought valiantly, tried to tie uh, a uh, shrinking budget uh, surplus in the midst of a recession. I might add to uh, Vilsack, <laughs> uh, and with some very creative ads, including I think with some talking cows involved. Uh, we we stuck with our uh, our storyline, and at the end of the day, Vilsack won. And I will always remember the email. That you sent me on election day in in uh, two thousand and two, and it it said, "Looks like you're going to win the Iowa Cup this time, pal." Turns out that hog shit sticks to my guy like Velcro.
0: It did. It and, did. We we like to say that we had the moral high ground because we kept the shit on the farm. You put it on television <laughs> for families trying to trying to watch their shows and stories. You know, I'm so damn old that I can't remember when we first met. I think we probably were on a panel somewhere. I was aware of you, and we were tussling around. We were both the secret Americans in Canada at different times, I think, in provincial races. Yes, in exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I, yeah. liked, I like to think I put a dollar in your pocket because I got found out. I was working for Mike Harris. Um, the nude of the north, as they said, and we won. And the Canadian Liberal Party, which is really the center-left party, the real liberals are called the NDP. Anyway, they said we got to get an American. So I think I think we talked, and I said charge him double. Yeah. <laughs> um. You know, they're a panic fire. So there have been a million of these uh, over the years, and I'll tell you my favorite Axelrod memory, which is I was uh, at the Iowa caucus doing TV or something. Way back in the first Obama campaign, and we had breakfast the caucus day, and you were exhausted because you have been running a crazy primary. And I had always said I thought Obama could win. I remember on Meet the Press once, Carville was doing a good job of, you know, defending the hell out of Hillary. But the minute we went to the commercial, he leans across the table, you're right. If that horse gets out of Iowa, it's going to run all the damn way to the White House. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so I saw you and I remember looking at you hadn't had any sleep and you were a little jittery like anybody is on caucus day after a huge presidential effort. And I just remember looking at you and I, I for a long time on campaigns, carried a uh, a film Leica around and did a lot of, you know, just kind of documentary photography. I got walls full of it. Uh, and I, I took my favorite picture of you then because I said, man, your life is going to change in such huge ways. And you were still just trying to have the English muffin and not spill the jam on your tie and get through the day. And I just, (laughs) which I failed at, but it it was, it was, it It was great to have a friend who I knew I had high confidence was going to get on the escalator to the stratosphere in 12 hours. And it was fun to be there with you, pal. And that was a, that was a brilliant campaign. Well,
2: I appreciate all the, all the conversations we've had over the years. Uh, And, frankly, some of the really good advice that you given to me, and some which I won't cover here, I didn't take. And <laughs> Wisely up, and vice versa. <laughs> to my, to my, to my, to, no, no, some of it some of it was to my detriment that I didn't listen to your wisdom that had less to do with tactics than about choices that I made on candidates. Oh, yeah. But, uh, but uh, that, we'll save that for another day. I, I just want to say uh, I am so grateful to have lived long enough to see mike murphy become a moderate i never thought (laughs) i never thought that would happen
0: slander so (laughs) (laughs) i'm a right-wing nut i trump's not conservative enough for me that that's a that's one thing people don't understand about us trump haters many of us are small l liberal government people rule of law you know that kind of stuff uh international trade but trump trump is a vile demagogic, stupid populist. And if you're a traditional conservative, that should offend every every fiber.
2: Well, and let me well, just say that there are people who consider themselves right-wing nuts who do not accept you as a right-wing nut. That is true. So That is yeah. true.
0: I eat with a fork.
2: So let us go on to our last call.
0: Last call. You want to go first?
2: I do. You know, we were talking about Joe Biden earlier. You know, the question is, uh, has always been about him, you know, it, there's this constant performance anxiety, and the anxiety is not from the performer, but all of his fans, as to whether he will make uh, some sort of fatal mistake, uh, and... um you know, one thing that I would caution him against is embellishment, mm-hmm. embellishment of stories. It has come back just recently. A Fox reporter asked him in the midst of all of this discussion about uh, about uh, Iran, uh, you know, about what role he actually played back when bin Laden, uh, when the president Obama decided to uh take bin laden out and you know back in 2012 biden famously said i opposed it he uh you know he was all alone in this decision um and he's slowly changed that and 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 you know he's he's gonna get jammed up on things uh like that uh and you know it's unnecessary mm-hmm. fact is i was i was there i served with uh joe biden he was vice president uh You know, during my two years in the White House, obviously, and I saw him play uh, an extraordinarily important role on a whole range of things, running the uh, Recovery Act, and you know, really pushing the military on Afghanistan in ways that few were willing uh, to do. He he's got a lot uh, to his credit. He doesn't need to embellish, and he needs to resist that temptation. And I think sometimes he doesn't even realize he's doing it, Uh, but. Uh, he's on the precipice here of uh, uh of potentially pulling this off uh and uh the only thing it seems to me that uh, could really put this in jeopardy is that you know instinct that has tripped him up before so uh i would just caution him to uh to be more restrained in that regard
0: yeah and if he starts winning actual Caucuses and primaries, that scrutiny is going to skyrocket. And that could be his undoing. I, I totally agree. This is the reason, by the way, that I
2: think that they are very gingerly about his media encounters. He's doing a speech today on Iran, and he's he's sitting with Lester Holt tonight. But, uh, you know, you've heard my constant complaint. He's the only candidate who hasn't sat down with me for an Axe Files uh, discussion. And, you know, there may be less flattering reasons to me, but I I think there's some sort of fear about, uh, you know, having a deep conversation. And um, I'm not sure you can get away with that. I think, I mean, you can certainly get away without not doing the Axe Files, but I don't know that you can duck uh, some of the deeper dives uh, for the uh, duration of a campaign. the the better you do, the more intense the demands uh, will become. And so he has to exercise some self restraint. Totally. In these discussions, you know, they
0: need a better Biden. If he gets it, he can win and become president of the United States. If not, you know, it's uh, it, it's not hard to lose one of these things. It's the old the old thing you've heard a million times in the campaign world. The media is the beast. You either feed the beast or the beast eats you in a presidential campaign so he's got to learn how to feed the beast and feed it the truth not get eaten yeah Yeah, or it's it's gonna eat (laughs) it's gonna get fed. well i'll tell you what
2: man whatever happens this is going to be one hell of an interesting year and i'm just happy to get a chance to chat with you on a regular basis it is gonna be fun
0: We're, we're gonna enjoy this thing and probably take the act down the road a little bit and do all kinds of cool stuff stay tuned for that on my last call I think, and I'm a little surprised, I've been short Biden, but I agree. I think Biden, I think Pete, I think much longer shot now, Elizabeth, but possible. And again, Bernie's hanging in there, one of those four. So people come up to me when I'm trying to pump gas or whatever. Who's going to win, Creskin? You know, like we have any insight. Uh, it's hard to predict these things, particularly now with a foreign policy crisis upending the checkerboard a little. But I will give you one crazy theory of the election to finish up with. Which is my I've noticed this in my more decades than I care to admit time like you fooling around in this this business. Sometimes life imitates art. And the campaign, though your head tells you one thing, it just kinda takes on a life and the outcome happens that would be what would be in the novel, not the polling and everything else. It's just and this is true of many things. So if, if, big if in this election, life imitates. This, this sounds art. this
2: sounds like you this sounds like something you said to a losing client. But anyway, go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna wind around to Marianne Williamson here. So <laughs> if the cosmic forces align No, no, I'll just say that if the anti Trump is what the country wants, who is that? And more than anybody else, I think Trump, who is an old guy with a mind caught in nineteen fifty nine Queens uh, with all the racial prejudice and everything else built into his view of America. We don't have enough steel mills. That that mindset. The opposite of Trump is the highly intelligent, ultra-secular yeah. first gay president. Buttigieg. Buttigieg. So in the novel, Trump is replaced by Buttigieg. So this may be worth nothing. This is a mystic thing that I have seen happen. I've seen not happen. But if life imitates art, It could be Bernie and Pete, and Pete becomes the party of the regulars, and I think has a very good chance to be nominated, and then would be Trump, only in the world of life imitating art, which is not certain, but never impossible. Buttigieg will either be the
2: nominee, or he will be the hero of your next screenplay. (laughs) So one or the other, he can't lose. Anyway, brother, we'll see you next week. Looking forward, pal.